everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast. This is Emily. And this is Rachel. Today we are talking about the revolutionary Netflix TV show that our whole podcast will now be dedicated to. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. It's almost like we foreshadowed it. I know, right? For those of you not in the know, we had an Instagram post and the image was Cowboy Bebop. I think we were talking about, like, classic anime or something like that. Yeah. It did very well for some reason that we could not identify. So we decided that this is now a Cowboy Bebop podcast. I mean, it wasn't, like, fan art or anything. It was just the show promo poster. <laughs> and it got, like, over 100 likes. I don't know why. It just hit that algorithm. Yeah, and people were like, fuck yeah, Cowboy Bebop <laughs> on our K-pop podcast. So, Cowboy Bebop. We're talking about the live action adaptation of the 1998 anime. And this came out November 19th, 2021 on Netflix exclusively. It stars John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, Daniela Pineda, Elena Satine, and Alex Hassel. He's a hassle, all right. I'm just kidding. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it focuses on the adventures of a ragtag group of bounty hunters, a.k.a. cowboys, chasing down criminals across the solar system on the Bebop spaceship. It was criticized for its writing, narrative, special effects, <laughs> editing and the direction of action scenes um but the cast was praised that's <laughs> a lot it's like its negatives are this 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 and this but this was good <laughs> that seems to be what most of the criticism is it's like the actors were good with what they were given but everything else was bad i don't know if i agree with that characterization but for the most part yes so we're going to talk about the first three episodes. There will be spoilers for those. Everything else we're not going to touch so you can see it for yourself. Also, it sticks pretty close to the anime. So if you've seen the anime already, we're not spoiling anything new. It follows the same storyline for the most part. Episode one, in the year 2171, Bounty Hunters, Spike Spiegel, and Jet Black. What like a drag name. I know, right? They thwart an attempted casino heist, leading to a gunfight that severely damages this casino and results in the ISSP deducting the really high cost of the repairs from their bounty. Furious at the botch job that basically left them in debt, Jet is like, okay, we're getting a new bounty. We are hunting down... Um, this guy and his wife, who were last seen heading to New Tijuana, and they're basically drug dealers of this drug called Red Eye, and it makes you go fucking bonkers, and it turns your eyes bright red. And they have a lot of it, and he's like, we're gonna track down these two people. The pair is also pursued by Spike's old gang, the Red Dragon Crime Syndicate, and a rival bounty hunter named Faye Valentine. So we have three different groups all coalescing to try to get these two people who have a large bounty on their heads. Ultimately, the guy is wounded by a bullet from Faye Valentine, and his wife, she's like, I'm not going back to my father. She uh, commits suicide by cop and flies straight at basically the police in her spaceship and spike is like no don't do it don't don't die and she gets blown up i thought the cgi for this was really good they really sunk a lot of money into episode one 
A surviving syndicate gunman then reports to his boss named Vicious. <laughs> Boshes. <laughs> who looks like Lucius Malfoy slash Rhaegar Targaryen. Yeah. Vicious then kills this man after learning of Spike's involvement because they have a sordid past. And he's like, hunt him down. Da, da, da. So episode two. While tracking down, like, their next bounty, this terrorist known as the Teddy Bomber on Venus. Obviously, these are terraformed planets, so they're not melting and being crushed to death on Venus. But anyways, Spike survives in another attempt on his life by a syndicate assassin. So the Red Dragon Crime Syndicate, they just refer to as syndicate in the show, so don't be confused by that. He pretends he wants noodles. (laughs) subtle i think he also wants noodles though (laughs) yeah is he pretending who doesn't want noodles (laughs) so spike secretly visits anna who is a club owner that raised him as a boy and assumed he was dead because he, he was trying to escape the syndicate and he asks her for information about vicious and about the syndicate anna warns him that he needs to reveal his past as a syndicate hitman to jet who is a former cop (laughs) And also informs him that Julia, who's the woman he once loved, is now married to Vicious. So scandalous. Knife in the heart. The elders who run the syndicate discover that Vicious has been dealing red eye without permission and force him to take part in a mock execution of Julia as punishment. I was sweating when that happened. I was like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? He pulls the trigger. It's a blank. (laughs) And she's like, damn. You really would have shot me. Yeah. So Julia then calls him weak for not standing up to the elders. And then he, in return, lovingly, (laughs) not, violently chokes her and throws her to the ground. That's called an abusive relationship, children. (laughs) Jet and Spike then locate the teddy bomber and subdue him while also keeping a bomb from going off. That is actually a very hilarious scene, so look forward to that in episode two. Basically, they can't hear him because he has a teddy bear thing on his head, but anyways. (laughs) Spike then volunteers to stay behind until Jet can collect the bounty with his basically foot on a bomb. You can think of it kind of like a landmine. He has his foot on the trigger of the landmine, but if he lifts it off, it will go off. But anyways. Anna discreetly eavesdrops on Vicious, being told by his enforcers, Shin and Lin, that his assassin Gunther is dead at Spike's hand. So that's the information that she has gathered for Spike. And I just have to say, Anna was like acting with a capital A. She's the coroner from uh, Law and Order SVU. Yeah, she was really good, actually. <laughs> the scene between her and Spike, I think, was probably the best in the whole show. Yeah, it was really well done. She did a really good job with her kind of minor role, honestly, in the show. Yeah. Okay, so episode three. On Mars, Spike and Jet hunt down a serial murderer while Jet is trying to find enough funds to get an expensive talking doll for his daughter Kimmy's birthday. And this doll looks like uh, Chuck Esme from the Twilight movies. <laughs> it does. It's so creepy. It looks so ugly. It it has a Cabbage Patch doll face, but like an Annabelle body. Uh, uh, shivers down my spine. <laughs> this is so far in the future, and it looks like a creepy doll from the 1960s. I would have thought that this would have been like a robot doll or something. Yeah. You know how we were all obsessed with those stupid robot dog toys in the early aughts? Yes, yeah, like one of those, but like more like an actual dog. 
Yeah, see, I would have thought that the baby doll would have been something like that, but they're like, no, look at this horrifying <laughs> doll. <laughs> look at this eldritch being in a doll. <laughs> During Jet and Spike's investigation, they discover that Hakim, a refugee from Earth, killed all his victims, um, and all his victims were wealthy Earth refugees because he blamed them for leaving him and his parents to die on Earth so that they could use their escape pods to put their pets in them instead. So he stole all these rich people's dogs, and he's like, I'm gonna murder your dogs. But he ultimately couldn't pull the trigger. He's like, they didn't ask for this. They're so cute. (sighs) Yeah, that's so true. So easy to kill evil people, I'm assuming. I have never done that, but... (laughs) But dogs. Dogs are so pure. You also learn that having dogs is like a sign of wealth and luxury because to own a dog, you have to pay a lot of taxes and apparently they are exceedingly rare. So only rich people have dogs. Honestly, that's not too different from current society. Uh, We don't have to be like rich, but you know, it is expensive to own a dog. I would say, yeah, to own like a purebred dog that is a status symbol. Right. But it's not, like, reserved for the 1%. Like, it's still reasonably affordable for most people, but yeah. Yeah, but the dogs that he kidnapped all looked like purebred dogs. It's not like there was a shelter mutt there. So Spike and Jet talk Hakeem into surrendering, but then the ISSP shows up and then they shoot him dead so they can avoid paying his bounty. And I was like... A cab. What the fuck? <laughs> Literally, the the officer that is like recurring in this story is a fucking asshole. He has an ugly ass mustache. Yeah, and he like pops on screen, and me and Fabian were watching this together, and Fabian sees his face and is like, "Ah, oh, this fucking dick." <laughs> so accurate. <laughs> so throughout this fight, the doll is accidentally destroyed, looking even more <laughs> haggard and disturbing. Jet ends up giving his daughter one of the dogs instead, and it is a Welsh corgi named Ayn. One of the OG people on the show. I guess OG characters. He's not a person. He is a cute dog. Yeah. (laughs) So he gives Ayn to his daughter, but his ex-wife refuses the gift, and she's like, I can't afford the taxes on this. Take your dog and leave. So he takes uh, the pet back, and so Ayn now joins Jet and Spike on the Bebop as a permanent resident. Meanwhile, Spike has located Vicious's drug factory on Mars, which is staffed by naked people. Okay, so apparently this is actually something that a lot of, like if you're a drug business, the people that work in the factory are naked. And the reason for that, I was told this by Fabian, so take all with a grain of salt, but they're naked because it is harder to hide things when you're naked. You could stick a bag of cocaine under your boob or whatever, but they still check. It's much easier to check you when you don't have pockets. And the reason their eyes are also stapled shut because they're handling red eye and they don't want any to get in their eyes. So that is why they look so weird. (laughs) After we see these naked people who are slaving away um vicious is like okay kill all these drug mules and then he gets in his car and spike is a couple of buildings away with a sniper rifle and he shoots into his car it has a bulletproof window so it 
it just makes like a, a scary little dent, but Vicious then knows that Spike is on to him. They did a really cool shot when he fires the sniper rifle and like Vicious isn't aware that like Spike can see him until like the very end. And there's a shot of him like slowly turning his head and his eyes opening and then the bullet like grazes his cheek. Excellent. Okay, so that was the first three episodes. I feel like that was a really good setup for the series yes. as a whole. It follows the anime very closely. I think that because it was so close to the anime that it struggled. I felt like it was trying too hard to bring the anime to life instead of being its own thing. Yeah, I could see that. The first part of the first episode was really jarring for me. Like, it was so campy. It was camp, darling. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh god, is the whole thing gonna be like this? It's not. Spoiler alert, but don't let the first, like, ten minutes of the first episode lure you into thinking this is completely over the top and ridiculous the whole time, because it's not. (laughs) Cowboy Bebop the anime did have campy moments, and it also had very serious moments. This live action, I feel like, is definitely more camp. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why does every Western live action adaptation of an anime have this chaotic, feral energy? (laughs) It reminds me of Batman and Robin. They're like, this is a comic. (laughs) It is a cartoon. Woo! We gotta be campy. We gotta put in 8,000 Dutch angles. It seems so chaotic and and weird and, like, circus music plays. Yes, I noticed that too. And I was like, what is it? It's not just this. Yeah. The Death Note movie. Oh my god. (laughs) Not the American one, right? Yes, the American (laughs) American one. one is so bad. (laughs) I felt like the spirit of the Cowboy Bebop live action adaptation was more in line with Space Dandy than with Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I mean, they did the serious scenes okay, but I feel like it was still, it still had this lens of, I am an anime character, not just a character. There is that layer of camp, that layer of ha! I'm a cartoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get us wrong. There are definitely things in the anime that are camp, oh, like the t- the bounty hunter TV show that they love watching. <laughs> yes. That is basically like a scoreboard of criminals and stuff like that. Yeah. That is camp with a capital C. Right. And I thought that the adaptation did a really, really good job capturing the spirit of the original one from the anime. That was great, but, like, the fight scenes, why are they camp? Yeah, and I mean, there is some of that. There is some of that in the anime. Like, some of the bounties that they go after are ridiculous, and it's meant to be ridiculous. But the more intense scenes, like, you know, when he's sniping Vicious and that kind of thing, like, stuff that's more with along the lines of the main plot, it's serious, but it's not deep enough, Like, there's something blocking it. And I think that something is them being like, this is an anime. Anime adaptation. (laughs) If they took out 90% of the Dutch angles, people would complain less. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It could just be straight on. I feel like if this was just simply edited differently, that it would come off completely different. 
I really take issue with the constant weird Dutch angles and, you know, I don't mind the color palette. I thought it was fun. But, like, everything doesn't have to be fucking Moulin Rouge, you know? I just thought that it could have taken itself slightly more seriously. Yeah, and we're not sure, like, what direction people were given or anything either, but uh, they may have been told to camp it up, so. Let's talk about the acting. Personally, I felt like the actors did a very good job, especially the woman who did Anna. She was incredible. She understood the assignment, and she played this character very straight, despite all the weird kooky shit happening, and I was like, I love you. Her and John Cho acting in the scene together, I thought that was one of the best things in the whole show. It was so good and grounded and real because this is the woman who raised him. This is basically his mother. This is not supposed to be a campy weird scene. This is supposed to be one of the serious scenes. And I felt like that really set a good tone. And I am in love with the woman who played Faye Valentine. She was the best part of the show. Yeah, she's great. Like, Faye is over the top in the anime, but I almost feel like she takes it a step further and, like, adds, like, extra grunge to Faye, and I love that. (laughs) She is very sassy. I also thought Mustafa Shakir did a really good job with Jet Black. Like, that is Jet Black. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, that's him. He nailed it. I feel like the lead actors really nailed their Mm. parts. (laughs) And given the script, they really did do the most. I loved the banter between Faye and Spike. I thought it was so fun and natural. And that's exactly how it is in the anime. It is a tit for tat, really quick banter. Mm. Very cute. I loved her her funny swears. It really seemed very modern. You know, Cowboy Bebop, the anime's from like the 90s, but in this one, she's like, don't be like that dickhole. And I'm like, LOL. I say that. (laughs) So relatable. (laughs) I even thought the the minor actors in this did a really good job. Like the actress who played Katarina in episode one was really good. Really played up the nuance emotions of that character so I, I really think all the actors did a really good job in this even the very campy ones like the teddy bomber <laughs> hilarious oh <my> <laughs> we gotta talk about julia and vicious the two most serious characters of this show are vicious and julia and they were like let's camp it up yeah <laughs> It's very hard to believe that they're dating and they're not just, like, a woman and an aggressively gay man, like, conspiring together. I know! This is MLM and WLW Solidarity. (laughs) This is Team Rocket. Yes! They are Team Rocket. They are Team Rocket. She even has a rose tattoo. That is the vibe I got. They're like, we're gay and we're evil. (laughs) 100%. Vicious really is Lucius Malfoy in space. Drug dealer Lucius Malfoy in space. We got to talk about their respective wigs, too, because that is the first thing I clocked. Julia's wig looked like an Arda wig. And I was like, you guys couldn't have scaled back the CGI just a little so that you can get her a human hair unit. It looks so It looked like it was one piece. And Vicious's hair did look more real. However, my personal opinion is that both of those wigs needed a root to look Mm -hmm. natural. 
his hair was completely silver, but he had black eyebrows. And I was like, give him a dark root like a drag queen, just a little one. I feel like a root would have made both of their wigs just way better and dynamic. That's just my personal opinion. The one tone wig with a different eyebrow color sometimes works like Daenerys Targaryen and sometimes just looks like a cosplay. It depends on the quality of said wig. And the quality was not (laughs) human hair. it was not. (laughs) So... Also, Julia's tattoo looked like shit. (laughs) What was up with that? She has a rose tattoo on her back, and I was like, it looks like someone drew on her with permanent marker. I mean, other than that, I thought the costuming was fine. But the wigs. The way that they did Faye's hair, it looked like they put purple overtone over this actress's already dark hair. Looked totally fine. Great take on Faye's purple hair. You know, it didn't need to look bright purple. It was purple enough. Looked very natural. Why couldn't they have done something like that with Julia and Vicious? (laughs) At least give them a root. A shadow root, please, for the love of God. Get that man a billiage. (laughs) A billiage. (laughs) We know it's not natural. His eyebrows are black. Come on. But the sets, very good. Yeah. The sets I thought were really fun. The spaceship itself, the Bebop, I thought looked very good. Definitely evokes the feeling of the yeah. OG anime. Jet Black looked amazing. Like, he he was Jet Black. I can't get over how much Mustafa, like, was Yeah, he did jet. a really good job. Nailed, like, grumpy dad energy very well. Yeah. So the... Last thing I want to touch on is the score for this. If you know Cowboy Bebop, then you know that jazz plays a very big part in this show. So for a show that's set so far in the distant future, it's very grounding to have music that is set in the past. The opening to Cowboy Bebop is so iconic. That tank song, it sets the tone for the whole show. (laughs) And I thought that the live action did bring in that jazz element but I personally felt like they could have had more opportunities to show people playing the instruments and not just have like Mm. jazz music it seemed like let's turn on the radio and it's just there instead of like they walk into a bar and there's a band there and they're playing jazz like I thought that would have been more natural I mean it, it does seem like at least for the opening they were trying to mirror the anime opening pretty closely other elements of music in the show could have been live, quote unquote. I just thought that was a missed yeah. opportunity. So let's do our rankings. On a scale from one to five, one being the worst, five being the best, how would you rate the plot? I would give it a four. Like, I really like Cowboy Bebop. I recently just watched the anime because I hadn't before. And I think that because it follows it so closely, like, I have to rate them the same. <laughs> So four. I'm going to also rate it a four for the plot, though, like, I think they should have built upon what the anime was doing. But the source material is good. So how could this be horrible? How would you rate the acting? I would rate the acting a five. I think they did a really good job with the script that they were given and probably the direction they were given. Like they nailed their characters, even the minor ones. I'm also giving this a five. Mr. Mr. Vicious, <laughs> yeah. please, please, 
do another movie where you're exactly <laughs> like this, but gay. What is it with you <laughs> and, like, white blonde gay villain character types? I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> On a scale from one to five, how would you rate everything else? The score, the cinematography, the editing, the costuming, the lighting, the CGI. Uh, I'm going to cheat and do three and a half. <laughs> I really do think it's good overall and it's worth watching. However, I just wish that some things were different. I wish that there was a more serious lens on some of the scenes and it wasn't just like, this is an anime. I wish it was just like, this is a show with the interesting plot that they adapted from another show. So yeah, three and a half. I want to rate this a one, but I won't. If I was only going to rate the cinematography and editing, this would be a one. But including everything else, it's a two for (laughs) me. The way that this is shot is almost unforgivable. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Just hold the fucking camera there and let people act. You don't gotta do all the extra shit that it was doing. You just don't. That's my onion. (laughs) I respect your onion. Okay, uh, very simple. Would you recommend this show? Yes or no? Yes, and my mother also recommends it, surprisingly. Oh, your mom watched it? Yeah, my dad texted us and said... Me and your mother have been watching Cowboy Bebop. Have you heard of it? (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) I love that for them. Yeah, there's no way in hell my mom would ever watch an anime. So this is her only method of receiving Cowboy Bebop. (laughs) I would also recommend this show. Just go into it with an open mind and don't expect it to be the best thing you've ever seen. But just expect to have fun. Be there for the journey. Yeah, stick with it, because at the very beginning, it is touch and go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say that it does get better as the episodes progress. Let's do our weekly K-pop recommendations. I'm going to recommend Scientist by Twice. This is a great song. (laughs) The song is, is this bad bitch number, but bitches be a bunch of stars. And it's by a bunch of people, but it also has BB in it. Oh, I know that song. That's fun. It starts with a ring, a ring, and then it's like, hello, is this bad bitch number? And it's very hype. I like it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can check us out on Instagram and see that famous Cowboy Bebop post at Soulmates Podcast. (laughs) Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. Check out some of our videos on YouTube under our channel name, Soulmates Podcast. You can find this program pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you subscribe so you can listen to us every other Friday. We'll catch you guys next time with the November K-pop roundup. Oh my god, the year's almost over. (sighs) See you in space, cowboy. Bye. (laughs)